may be seated. I think we got the offering right this week. Thankful for that. Scripture uh, is taken uh, from um, Isaiah, the 55th chapter. I invite you to turn with me uh, to that section. Um, Isaiah uh, chapter 55. We'll pick up at uh, the sixth verse. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is God's Word. We love the doctrine of God's providence. Uh, We love that teaching, and it is a a huge help for us, especially when our lives are going through difficult patches. Uh, Millions have found peace knowing uh, that for those who love God, all things work for good. That's Romans chapter 8. And the text before us Um, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and verse 9 uh, is an Old Testament corollary corollary or parallel to that passage in Romans. It's often used to remind us to trust God as he orchestrates events. Things may seem dark. Pain feels pointless. And we remember these words, my thoughts aren't like your thoughts, neither are your ways like my ways. My thoughts, my ways are far above your own. And we are conditioned to think, even as we read this passage, that it is the hard things that strengthen us, build our faith, and the soft things seldom do. That's a glorious teaching. It is a delightful teaching, an important teaching. But is it the main application of the verse that is before us? It is the purpose 
uh, of verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than, your, than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Is the main point of that passage, or application of that passage, to carry us through his often mysterious providence. I don't think that it is. This is not so much about the surprises of God's mysterious providence. It speaks, if I may say, of a better surprise and a more powerful, and an additional powerful surprise. And that is that God has a compassionate heart. And God has lavish wisdom that is so unlike our own, we often miss it. John Calvin put it this way, and I think this is a a wonderful way to, to help us get at the importance of seeing this passage, not simply with an application to providence, but with an application to understand the compassionate and pardoning heart of God. This is what Calvin says. There is nothing that haunts our consciences more than when we think God is like ourselves. We have oftentimes made him like us. That his compassion is like ours. That his pardoning is like ours. For that reason, we may give up on prayer and say, does he really listen to us? Or we may give in to the anxieties that the difficulties in life create in us, and we're simply waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because at bottom we say, does he really care? I want to think about God's compassion and God's um, pardoning heart. And to do it with this theme, that God is both higher and closer than you imagine. He is higher than you imagine, but he is also closer than you imagine. God is far greater than we are, of course. He is far higher than we are, of course. And we think of, in theological terms, we think of the creator-creature distinction, Uh, We think of the Creator, God, who is far above us. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. And we understand ourselves not to be infinite, but uh, limited. Uh, Not to be eternal, but we were born. Uh, And not to be unchangeable, but I like this word, but we're flappable. Flappable. We sometimes think of the word unflappable, which means sort of steadfast, and unchanging and not moving. But we're often flappable, and, and that means affected by circumstances and conditions around us, and so we are just flapping like a flag in the breeze at all of the things going around us. God's not like that. God is unchangeable, and you and I are flappable. Easily upset and confused, especially under stress. We know God truly, but not fully. We know God truly, but not fully. We see in a mirror dimly uh, the NIV in uh, of, of uh, First Corinthians 
13. We uh, see ourselves, uh, we see in a mirror dimly. Have you tried to uh, comb your hair uh, when the lights are out in the, in the bathroom and, and it, you can't see? It's just, we don't, we don't see what's going on. And so it is, uh, God's thoughts and his ways, his, his thoughts are far above ours, his plans and the way he deals with us in his compassion and his pardon. He will have compassion and will abundantly pardon. And we see this in verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And this is the invitation, this is the bidding, that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, if we understand the people to whom this was written, the time, we might say, really? Is that what's going on? Because the people uh, were soon to be swept away, just as we had seen elsewhere in Habakkuk and other places. They were being swept away by the Babylonians. And as the psalm says, they were weeping by the waters of Babylon. Very shortly after this was written, they would be weeping by the waters of Babylon. Now, let's personalize that. What does it mean? What causes you to weep by the waters in your Babylon, in your exile here waiting for heaven? I want you to think. Sometimes it is the children that we love so much making unwise choices and it hurts. Sometimes as children it might be having unwise parents in your view and that hurts. We may also consider the self-destructive direction of our beloved nation, and that hurts. We are thankful for it, but we grieve the divisions. With all that going on, I want you to listen to a perspective from the prophet Jeremiah. Is Ephraim Israel, and we are the new Israel, is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him, and I will surely have mercy on him. Even in discipline, even in exile, even in your suffering, my heart, God says, yearns for you, and he will surely have mercy on you. Again, in the words of Calvin, even when he disciplines his people, he never lays aside his fatherly affection toward them. And so we are his darling children right in the middle of our struggles of our exilic kinds of experiences, separate from, from uh, God in, in person. Does, does, does this phrase make sense for you, being called God's darling child? Or, or does that sit well with you? Or does that seem kind of inappropriate? Prodigal Son didn't get it. 
After his rebellion, he believed that he was called to his, his relationship with the Father was one of distance and one of penance. And so he came back, and the first thing he wanted to do was cut a deal. First thing he wanted to do was work his way back into his Father's graces. And so what did his Father do? His Father runs to him and kisses him, and that's not a peck on the cheek. Uh, that is a repeated action. It's a, it's a continuous action. In, in the, the Greek, Greek tense of that verb, he covered him with kisses. He, he kept kissing him. No lukewarm and suspicious welcome home, but a generous pardon and an abundant compassion. Now, it, it, is, it is not that we are just a little bit off in getting God's compassion and pardon. It's not just that we're off by a couple of clicks or a couple of de- degrees. My, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your... The, the difference is the magnitude of, of being earth dwellers and God being in heaven. That much greater is his compassion and his pardon. The only other passage in scripture that... That, that speaks uh, close to this way is in, is in Psalm 103, which we read earlier. And again, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. God's steadfast love, as familiar as those phrases are, is beyond what we're able to comprehend. God's pardoning favor, as as familiar as those words are, are far beyond what our tiny minds and shriveled hearts can grasp. I, I remember back when I was uh, when I was in I guess it would have been junior high at that time. My brother-in-law was uh, a high jumper in Westfield Westfield High up in New Jersey. See, I have New Jersey roots too, and um, and. He was about 5'10", and he was able to high jump six feet. Uh, and that surprises me to this day to say it, and it shocked me as a, as a, as a, little, as a, little, a little kid. Um, it's, a, it's amazing. Now, now, how much do you think you could high jump if you were put before a, jar, a bar right now? And you were to take your little your little stroll and then and then flip over, or maybe do a Fosbury flop. You know how you go over with over over, over sort of facing up. How, how much could you do? Maybe maybe four feet. I, I don't think I could do that. Maybe three feet. Maybe maybe six inches. Could you do six inches? Six inches. <laughs> we're we're kind of amazed that someone could jump at six feet when we're when we're down here, but. But compared, um, compared to the distance to the sun, um, both are absolutely pitiful, and there's really no difference. And so our little varying degrees of being able to pardon and have compassion are all just piddly next to the majesty of God's compassion and pardon. Uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts. They're far above now, now, when some people read that, my thoughts are not are your thoughts. What, what, they're, what they're, really, they're thinking God is really getting at there is the distance between puny sinners and, uh, and, and like us and a holy God is so great. He's so far off that we can't know him and we can't reach him. 
My thoughts are not your... Just, he's too far off for us to really get. But the Holy Spirit gives us this passage not for us to see how remote God is, but how close He is. He is holy. He is above us. But He's also nearby in compassion. We have small thoughts about His heart. But the gentle and lowly Jesus is moved with compassion seeing your suffering. And he freely pardons and fully pardons because of his precious blood. So what? He's close. His compassion and pardon are so far above us that he's close and not kept at a distance. And you might ask, what can the Holy Spirit use to help us to get that? What can the Holy Spirit use to help us to see that God is closer than we can even imagine in his compassion and pardon? And and he uses contrast. He uses contrast. Um, And and he, he, he says he is so very unlike you. Whatever you think of pardon and compassion, he is so much greater. That's how the Holy Spirit would teach us. The Holy Spirit knows how your heart works and mine. The Holy Spirit knows that we are still, even as believers, deeply law-oriented. Law-ish, Sinclair Ferguson would put it. There is a sense of justice, and that is correct as image bearers of God. But our, our, our law-ishness is superheated. And what I mean by that is we see clearly what other people are doing wrong. We see that very clearly, what they do wrong and what they need um, and, and that they will need to get what they deserve from that. So we are, are tight with our compassion. We are tight with our pardon. And we have more of an attitude, I'll give mercy where it's deserved. And we think we're thinking right. That's how far off we can be. God's, our compassion is fragile. Our pardon is timid. Once again, the words of Calvin. Listen, we judge and measure God from ourselves. But God is infinitely compassionate and infinitely ready to forgive. Do you see what Calvin is doing there? He's saying we think of God as a larger version of ourselves. Supersize me and there's God. And then you project your style of compassion and pardon on God. But you see, we are driven by legalism. Being subdued by the gospel of grace, praise God for that. But the impulse for legalism is still there. We're driven by legalism in part. God is not. Our pardon of one another is conditional. Better prove you've really changed. We stay suspicious. God doesn't. In the words of Matthew Henry, we may fear God won't pardon us because we refuse to pardon those who have offended us. Do you see how it goes? We're, we're kind of nasty. 
<laughs> we kind of hang on to things. We kind of slow to pardon one another. We kind of slow to forgive. And so we kind of think that's the way God is, and that's not the way it works at all. We forgive and can't forget. God forgives and can't remember. I want to draw two things out of this passage as we reflect on it. First is that um, God is enticing you to come to him, even today. He is enticing you by these words to come to you. He is drawing you. These, these, uh, these verbs that we see in, in verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return. Seek and call and forsake and return. So the first thing we want to do is, is consider what do, we need to, what do you need to forsake? What do you need to forsake? In order to come to God, you need to forsake your sin. I was, uh, I was getting on a little nine-seater or eight-seater plane up in Al's head a week ago. Was it just a week ago? Two weeks ago yesterday. And, um, I was, and, and it was in the security line. I've been through security lines all over the place, but man, they're tight up there. They, uh, they, they took a brand new bottle of, of, um, of pre-shave. It cost about four bucks. Thought I could sneak it in there. And they took a, a Christmas gift that I'd spent them giving me, my, my aftershave, Old Spice, somebody. And, and the guy said, you, you need to leave that here or, or pay for it another way or just don't fly. And so it was an easy thing for me to forsake my Old Spice and forsake my pre-shave because I needed to go. Sometimes you have to forsake things in order to get going get on a plane or go on in your relationship with God. So, so to, today, please think um, what ways what ways do you need to forsake? Things that you're doing, things that you're not doing but should be. What, what thoughts do you need to forsake? And maybe the best place to start is with a small view of God. And say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't get this compassion and pardon thing the way I need to and I want to. I want to. I've made you like I am. I've made you small and I've made you suspicious. Well, what frees you to make that U-turn to come back to God? It is seeing, um, it is seeing uh, the bigness of his heart. Um, it is seeing his unrestrained pardon and his welcome. Um, he opens the door gently and he calls to you as Philippians says, the Lord is near, the Lord is near. And it is so tender. Look at verse 1. It is so tender. God says, whoever is thirsty, come to the waters. If you have no money, come by and eat. And he's saying, he's saying, come to me with your thirst. Don't try to resolve your thirst, your hungers, your desires. Have your needs met. Have your desires met. Have your life together and then come to me. He says, right now, in the midst 
in the midst of your weeping by the waters of Babylon. Come right now. And delight yourself in him. Listen diligent to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Verse 2. So God is bidding you to come, to forsake and to lay hold of, of the Lord in whatever way the Spirit is working on you right this moment. And if you have never yet in your life uh, truly laid down your desires and your willfulness and your sin, and you hear this call, the Spirit working in you, that Jesus provides forgiveness, take that, take that message, take that Savior. Well, the second thing we want to do, um, and I, I urge every one of us, me too, every one of us, Take the prayer of Ephesians 3 on our lips and plead with the Spirit to expand your heart. Plead with the Spirit to expand your heart. Our law-ish hearts shrivel our sense of God's compassion and pardon. Our natural state, we remember the weaknesses and faults and blind spots of others missing our own, but even more tragically, or therefore, uh, missing God's out-of-this-world mercy. That's our condition. And so this is what the Apostle prays for us. I'm going to read a prayer from Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to read it in the NIV. I think it flows better and makes more sense. Listen to this prayer. This, this answers... This answers um, Isaiah 55. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints, that is, the Lord's holy people. That you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. No, it's width, it's length, height, and depth to, to, to grasp its magnitude, but it is still beyond our, it still surpasses our knowledge. But then this promise that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, what, what, do, what do you make of that? that? That is knowing God, and because you know his heart, you have a heart more like his. And that's a work of the Spirit. When you know God's love, His compassion, and His pardoning heart, and your compassion and your mercy to others grows too. What a, what a, what a promise from the Spirit. 
that we will be so changed that whoever loves has been born of God and knows God and our hearts shaped by the glory and the beauty of the love of God. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be working in us a yearning uh, to know you more deeply, that our, a yearning for our hearts to expand, uh, to take in more of, of the compassion and pardoning grace of God. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen us through our knowledge of Jesus, that we would look more like him in the way we relate to our family members, spouse or children or parents. We ask, O oh God, that you would be working so in us for your glory. Amen.